You are recording, correct? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better start double-checking me. I usually do. Oh, I can't believe I forgot. I was sitting there thinking about it the whole time, too, but I started to stream and then started Facebook, and then I didn't come back to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Been There, Watch That, where we watch and review movies and TV, new and old. I'm Justin, joined by Joe and Dave. This is episode number eight, and we're doing a Rocket Man review this week. The Elton John biopic slash, you might even say a musical hybrid. Uh, and I'd never seen this one before. Dave had, but he rewatched it uh, for this special episode. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. What are, so, what are your initial thoughts? Heck yeah. I, I mean, you know, I like music a lot, as do, you know, most of the world, as does most of the world. And uh, seeing it from the perspective of a musician is always just mind blowing to me because I'm not music. I don't have any musical inclination. Like I can play the radio, I can play a little bit of guitar, but I just can't fathom how people write lyrics and songs and how they put music to lyrics and songs. And I think this was a great insight to that process and kind of how just awesome these people are that can do that. Like Elton John is stinking magic, you know, and Bernie that writes his song lyrics is. Just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And, and it's crazy on how much time and effort. And, and just, it, it gives a glimpse of everybody thinks to be a celebrity of all, you know, the fame and fortune and everybody knows you. But this actually kind of gives you a, an insider behind, peek behind the curtain to just how bad the situation can be at times as far as the music industry, entertainment industry in general can be. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah. He felt pretty bad for Elton throughout the movie, uh, kind of getting jerked around by different people trying to basically run his life and get him into contracts and kind of he felt trapped with the, the one manager that he had. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how, and I, I like how it was kind of in that fashion of an autobiography kind of deal. Right. You know, like uh, documentary style. Right. And it and it was really, I like the fact, too, that it started off with him bursting through the doors and you didn't know where he was. Right. But, you know, spoiler alert, uh, don't listen if you plan on watching it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's in rehab and he's going in in this big feathery devil horned outfit and you're like what in the hell's going on here <laughs> and then he flops down starts telling his life story starting as a child and working his way up yeah and uh, and it keeps flashing back to him in rehab as he goes through the stages and he loses his fancy uniform to where at the end you know he's a normal person right but you know the struggle whew, musicians go through is crazy yes yeah, so the synopsis is young reginald dwight which I didn't realize that was his real name until the, it's revealed in the movie, changes his name to Elton John and collaborates with songwriter Bernie Taupin to become one of the most iconic figures in pop history. Set to his most beloved songs, it's the epic musical story of Elton John, his breakthrough years in the 1970s, and his fantastical transformation from shy piano prodigy to international superstar. Yep. And it's it's a crazy story. I mean... The, the casting on this. Oh yeah, fantastic! And it was crazy because I went back and looked at IMDb on the entire on the big chunk of the cast, and a lot of these actors and actresses in this film aren't household names, basically. Right. 
you see, I've seen him around, but I'm like, I'm not, I don't know their name, but I've seen him in maybe some other yeah, things. Yeah. Like his mom, I know I've seen her in, in some things. Yeah, uh, Taron Egerton, which played Elton. Uh, mm. He's, yeah, in, he's in The him. Kingsman and a couple other movies. I've yeah. never seen him in anything. Uh, Jamie Bell, he played Bernie. Yeah. And then Richard, he's in Lost Stuff. Uh, Richard Madden, who played John Reed, actually was in Game of Thrones. Yep. And who's John Reed? Remind me on that one. Was I think he was the mu- the the music executive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The younger. Oh one. yeah, he's uh, in Game he, of Thrones. He's like one of the kings, or he has his own little kingdom. Okay, because I have not watched yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, so. I haven't either. So I don't know. Okay. Well, when he's uh, in the synopsis, you talked about being a prodigy. Uh, yeah. I went looking around on uh, Wikipedia a little bit and. <clears throat> Early on in the movie, he's he gets a scholarship basically to go to this Royal Academy yep. of Music because his uh, piano talent is recognized. And uh, one of his teachers is quoted as saying that uh, John promptly played back like a gramophone record a four-page piece of music after hearing it for the first time. Yeah. So that's insane yeah and, well, and, and they kind of show that in the movie where yeah he you know he walks in there the teacher's playing she stops looks at him and goes oh so you're here to play and then he plays and she says well, show me where you're at and he plays and stops exactly where she goes and she goes why'd you stop he said because you stopped yeah yeah he didn't know any more <laughs> of it any right more of the music he'd only heard the part that she was playing when he was walking in the room right he had it stuck in his head and he could just play it back yep. to her and that that scene had a lot of different stuff in it his grandma um, was there living in the house with him and his mother and, and of course his dad when his dad showed up but his grandma was a supporter of him and kind she made and, it seem like he yeah. wouldn't be anywhere without her she was the only one right that, right that yeah really she she made the arrangement to the royal academy she took him there gave him bus fare and said all right here you go you know make the most of it this is your life you know i support you so a lot of stuff in that one little clip uh of that part of the movie because his dad, I mean, he's just like the total villain of the movie, kind of. Yeah, he's yeah. Just he's tot- a bad guy. Doesn't support. Totally him. cold and doesn't. You know, he distant. Wants to come into the room and listen to some music with his dad, and he basically tells him like, "Never touch my records, and if you're in here, don't make any noise, and just." Yeah, yeah. His dad's a slime ball in the entire movie, and then we find out at the end, towards the end, about his mom. She's just as big as slime ball. It's like, no wonder. Yeah. He's yep. went through all these struggles and, and mm-hmm. his life decisions. No wonder he, he's done what he's done because, I mean, look look what he had to deal with growing up. I mean, you, you feel sorry for him and are amazed that a lot of people in a very similar situation wouldn't be able to turn things around or put themselves into such a successful situation as he has. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of crazy. He goes through all the scenarios, and it follows him through, like, the Troubadour and uh, showings like that. And, and actually, you know, I, I want to say, I could get this wrong, but I think he started out doing some country-western stuff. And I think they hinted at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of hinted at it. A funk band or whatever. He's yeah. Playing, him and his band were playing backup for uh, yeah. a funk toy A little bit band. of soul. Yeah. Soul, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I, when I picked this, I didn't watch... Uh, watch a trailer or really read anything so joe and i were talking about this a little earlier today before we started that uh early on in the movie you know it goes to a close-up of someone's face and they start like singing slowly i'm like oh no what have i done i picked a musical and uh when we talk about the musical hybrid there's a big chunk of music in the movie like it does not it's not here and there it's uh pretty routine throughout the movie that there's uh song and dance and then we'll totally like switch back into a totally normal uh 
biopic, which is interesting. Yeah, and and in, when I first saw that it was going to be a musical, I thought, well, okay, it's going to have Elton John's music. I mean, that's that's a given. And then as soon as you push play, within a minute, they break into a musical, and I'm going, <laughs> really? Justin signed us yeah. up for a musical. And, and full disclosure, this is my first musical I've ever set through. Mm-hmm. So, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, you're kidding me, right? So I, I was get I was getting ready to throw you under the yeah, bus, Justin. Yeah. I was I was like Justin's going to hear about it, and then actually as the movie went along, I I found myself being actually engaged into the movie, and uh, most of the songs or the musical parts in the movie actually helped transition into the next part of the story. So it actually mm-hmm. helped guide the story along. So you know. A lot of times musicals, what I call, they beat you over the head with it. They just do music just because it's a musical. Mm-hmm. And this, they actually timed it right and it, and had it in the right spots for the most they used part. used it to like, uh, transition to different scenes or different parts of his life. Right, yeah, yeah. instead of just trying to just do a quick camera flip. Okay, he's mm-hmm. now 8, now he's now 17. They, they showed that progression within, you know, uh, one minute, two minute span in song. So it was... Yeah, it's a two-hour movie. It didn't didn't feel very... It didn't seem like it dragged on to me. It felt no. like it kind of was tight and everything moved along. And yeah. The transitions pace. were really good. Yeah. Because it jumped back and forth to his rehab days, and you didn't know that until the end, but... Well, there, yes, one of my favorite transitions was... Remember, he's at the party, and basically he's just super depressed, uh, took a handful of pills, mm-hmm. drinks a bunch, and then gets on the diving board and tells everybody at the party he's going to... For my next trick, I'm going to die, and he, like, falls into the water and then that becomes an underwater like singing scene he's singing underwater yeah. with people swimming around then he's pulled out so that's kind of like reality again but then as they're taking him to the hospital a whole like dance troupe gets together and starts dancing and like putting him in the hospital but then uh putting him in his full getup yeah. And then throwing him out on stage. So oh, yeah. it's like this crazy artsy like Yeah. And I like, think that happened. I think he committed or tried to commit suicide and then they threw him right in the Dodger Stadium like two days later. They're like, Yeah, yeah you've got to perform. And it was in the hospital to bam, now you're in Dodger Stadium just by like that little weird transition they do, which is kinda now, crazy. It's now here's a little here's a little gotcha that I did not realize uh when he falls into the swimming pool, you know, he mm-hmm. starts singing Rocket Man. And this I did not catch this until I read it afterward. When he starts singing, the the actual lyric of the song is, you know, I miss my wife. In the movie, it's I miss my life. Yeah. I didn't catch it. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So it kind of played right into, you know, he's trying to commit suicide. And now, so I mean, it was very well done. And at this point, I mean, he's already a multimillionaire, but is absolutely miserable. He's in his mansion basically drinking himself to death. Yeah, and it kind of shows you that money doesn't buy happiness. You know, here there, at one scene in his house, he was sitting there, you know, all depressed, drinking and all that, and the the record exec looks at him and goes, go ahead and kill yourself. I'll still make my money even after you die. It's like, well, that's just a jerk move yeah. right there. And, and unfortunately, that's just the way entertainment runs. It's like, yeah, you can go ahead and kill yourself, but we're still gonna make money off of you yeah. even after you die. It's like that's that's just a jerk move. We can keep selling your albums. Yeah. A lot of times somebody dies and then the albums go through the roof. Make yeah. More. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't know much at all about Elton John, so this is kind of educational for me. I mean, that they made it seem like 
that night at the Troubadour, that music club in L.A., I believe. Yeah, West uh, West Hollywood. Uh, that yeah. That kind of like catapulted him on pretty much overnight. That was written up in the you know papers that okay, there's this new person that is a star now, Elton John. That that really shot him up. He had some hits before that. I think yeah. he had some hits over in uh, in Europe. The UK, yeah. Well, it's crazy. So they had the levitation scene in there. That kind of was you know. And I, I think that was a nod, tip of the cap to, hey, that's where stardom took off. But also, he actually, and it shows it at the end of the film, it shows a little, or no, it shows it in the newspaper scrollings right after that, like him jumping and kicking his legs out. That really happened. Mm-hmm. And that was a little nod to Jerry Lee Lewis, who was one of uh, Elton John's uh, idols, I guess. Yeah, when they all started levitating in the Troubadour, that was one of the musical scenes I was going like, really, come on. Now, yeah. now I found myself just going... Really now, now that's piano. a little that's a little hokey for me. He's playing yeah. piano and then suddenly his like legs start lifting up off the ground and he's like yeah, then almost ev- like flying through space while playing a piano. Yeah. yeah, then everybody else starts levitating with him. Yeah. I was like, now okay, now come on, now you know I know it's a musical one for entertainment purposes, but that's that's a little too far. Well, it's interesting, you know. Obviously, uh, Elton John being gay comes up uh, that early on that the uh, you know his manager's basically saying. We need to get you a fake girlfriend, and this can't come out. It'll it'll wreck your career. Right. Uh, eventually, nobody really cares that that's that's just understood, and like uh, everyone knows, Elton John's gay. No one. That's not gonna keep them from buying his records. But at that at that time, maybe it would have. Yeah, yeah. That, you totally, back uh, back in the seventies, yeah, that was yeah. so taboo that you know it and and that also kind of spots more of the the underbelly of the the music scene where the record you know the record companies basically want to control your entire aspect of your life you have no life if you join in the entertainment industry it, yeah. to be successful you will do and say whatever it takes and and put yourself in these situations where you know uh, they're basically you're putting other people's lives and feelings at at risk just to make a quick buck. Hey, as are much businesses. I mean, that's just how it is. So, but yeah. You know. But he's uh he got married at one point though. though. Yeah, yeah, he's he married for four years. Uh, which yeah, I had to Google around a little bit about that, but yeah, four years he was married. But yeah, uh, but that's just kind of thrown in there, like oh, his friends know he's gay. Suddenly <laughs> gets married just because I think he was just kind of lost. He was lost. Yeah, lost and confused. And yeah, that threw me for a loop because I, you know, it's. Anybody that knows Elton John knows that he his, he's gay, and then, you know, it's emphasized at the beginning of the movie, you know, hey, you're gay, you can't do this, and then all of a sudden, he, I, I didn't, wasn't aware that he actually married, had married a woman at one point, so that one, that yeah. one caught me off guard. Yeah. Yeah. He had an interesting life. Now, so I found it interesting. I can't imagine after seeing anyone else but uh, Taryn playing this one playing him they they thought about tom hardy first i was like how does tom hardy an action guy play elton john well elton john in 2012 actually wanted justin timberlake to play well that's and they said they had thought about justin timberlake but i I could see justin timberlake to some degree he's got the wrong body build but uh tom hardy's just like not somebody i would ever (laughs) say yeah he could pull off elton john but uh taron egerton was definitely the guy yeah i thought he nailed it he had the body type down he did a great acting job I had, could see him singing the songs. Have you seen Taron in anything else? Uh, he's in uh, Kingsman. The Kingsman. He's in the first Kingsman. He does a good job of that. Oh, okay. I don't know if I saw that one. And uh, he's Eddie the Eagle uh, with uh, where he's a ski jumping guy. All right. So he did a good job in that one. Yeah. 
it's kind of weird. He's kind of serious, chip on the shoulder in Kingsman, and then here he's kind of flamboyant and sings, and then Eddie the Eagle, he's kind of a knucklehead. So, you know. They had to look up, because it kind of bugged me, where I'd seen Elton's, the woman who plays Elton's mom in the film, and she's uh, in that new Jurassic Park. She's, like, alongside, yeah. uh, what's his name, from The Office. Oh. And uh, event, or, um, but yeah, she's in the newer, newer Jurassic Park, the red-headed uh, actress. Yeah, and here's what's a, a little tidbit I found interesting that uh, her name is Bryce Dallas Howard, and she's only actually eight years older than Taryn. Right. Really? Yes. Well, that, you know, that, she does look kind of young. But yeah, in the movie, they kind of, they, they, I think they did something makeup wise, obviously, to, yeah. to make her look a little older, because yeah, I was like, who is that? She looks familiar, but she doesn't look <laughs> quite what I remember, you know. So, did you guys, and this is just where my nerdiness takes me. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Well, they, they had some interesting stuff. So, I think, I thought I saw somewhere where Elton's husband was a producer as well. At the very end, like in the credits? Where they, Maybe. He, I think so. Because he's not part of the movie, but. Yeah. Uh, and it said he was, you know, 25 years sober. Man, yeah, that's crazy. That's great. Mm-hmm. I just, we, Justin and I were talking before we walked in here. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of rock and roll stars have to be drunk or drugged up to perform well. Right. And you're seeing with Elton John a stark difference between when he was, you know, like he said in the movie, he's done every drug known to man, drank everything known to man, mm-hmm. and still performed. And then now, 25 years sober, he's still performing. And Bernie, in that little conversation he has with Bernie at the end, of uh, he's saying, you know, I'm I'm scared that I've lost it, and yeah, but yeah, that I won't be able to perform still like a, perform the way if I'm sober, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Bernie, uh, who's like a main uh, side character in this whole thing, which pretty uh, wrote the lyrics to every Elton John song, which was that's the something I had no idea that Elton did all the music for all his songs, but he had this. I mean, basically a duo, of someone that a lot of people don't hear about is Bernie, who's the songwriter. Yeah, and, and the way the movie's portrayed, Bernie, I mean, other than Elton's grandma, but Bernie was basically the only true person in his life that actually had his back through all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the movie wasn't, it didn't, like, specifically document truth, just so we're Right, yeah. It's, I'll, throw it's a, some, I'll throw some of that in there. Like, he didn't play, uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues or Daniel in front of the um, big guy, you know, Dick James. Yeah, those weren't right. Right, they had written, yeah. And then Crocodile Rock, he didn't play that at the Troubadour. And Neil Young didn't play at the Troubadour the week before Elton. Mm-hmm. So those, those kind of things are just, I think, thrown in there just to kind of add a little sparkle to it. Well, in Elton John's name, they took a little creative license on that as well. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, there's a scene where... Yeah, he's asking the, him what his name is. He comes up with it on the fly. Yeah, the the John part of the name in the movie is attributed to John Lennon of the Beatles, but instead his act the John part actually comes from Long John Baldry. Yeah, and it's most likely not given. Uh, so according to IMDb, most likely not given, not a real goof given that it enabled the film to give a little nod to John Lennon, a close friend of Elton's from way back when. That, and they said it would be likely to have been a lot of additional legwork needed to 
get the mm-hmm. wrap around the long John Baldry and the, to the narrative. Whereas John Lennon needed uh, no more than just a picture for everybody to go, hey, that's John Lennon. So he named yeah, himself that, after John Lennon. That stuck Lennon. out of me as maybe something that wasn't a hundred percent factual because the he's sitting in an office basically with a record exec and it's like, you know, what's your name? And he's decided that he's not going to use his real name, so he's like Elton, and then. Elton what and he you see his eyes kind of look over to a, a picture of the Beatles on the wall and he's like uh, John Elton yeah. John <laughs> I was like that, I don't know about that really happened that way but yeah. so I found what I was uh, talking about the, the on the nerdy side of things uh-huh. do you guys remember the scene where Elton and Bernie are sitting on the roof of the apartment building and they're talking yeah and one of the things they mentioned is Tower Records yeah do you know why they mentioned Tower Records? No, I do not. There's not a... This is... They see it when they go to the Troubadour. They pass it on their way. Yeah. Okay. So, Tower Records, and the only reason I know this is there's a documentary out there called All Things Must Pass, and it's about the rise and fall of Tower Records. Hmm. And if you don't know what Tower Records is, that was a, a music store started out in California. Right. Kind of like FYE and stuff like that. And in the documentary, Elton John actually makes an appearance in the documentary... And says that that used to be his favorite place to shop in L.A. Like, they would actually go in, open early, an hour early, just for Elton to go in there and buy records. Really? Yeah. They would they would open the door just to Elton, let him and his crew come in there, and Elton would just start buying records off the shelves and having his crew take him up to cash register while he just literally pulling stuff right and left off the shelf. Nice. <laughs> well, I noticed and they said, hey, we're supposed to go to Tower Records tomorrow, and they ended up not going because uh, Bernie had a girlfriend. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't understand that because I, I didn't really understand what Tower Records was. Yeah, yeah Tower Records was... Because I was waiting for that to be, like, the record deal. Yeah, well, that's... But it was a I, store. Yeah, 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 it's a record store. And I was... after Because I've seen the documentary, and the documentary is great. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to see a little more interaction of, of Tower Records. I was just going like, oh, I've seen the documentary. I saw one. But at least they mentioned it. So I was like, I wonder if the guys know this one. Yeah, know yeah. the behind the scenes on that one. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that he, uh, they did I'm Still Standing, uh, but he actually wrote that years before he went into rehab. But they showed it as he kind of came out of rehab as like a success story. But no. He wrote Still Standing in 1983, and he finished rehab yeah, in 1990, that's, so that's seven the years prior. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I watched this one with my dad. Dave, are you aware of the Tumbleweed Connection album from 1970? No. Uh, he was just like, oh yeah, you know what? That was one of my favorite albums back in the day. He said, you know, I was like, well, you, were you an Elton John fan? He said, yeah, I, I liked him. I liked his ballad stuff more than like the more uh, upbeat rock type stuff. But uh, I liked his upbeat rock stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, throughout the movie, like as they're coming up and they're just nobody's playing in uh, bars and stuff, they'll get an offer like, yeah, we'll pay you a hundred quid a week. Yeah, and I had to look that up because I see what it was. Sure what a quid was? Yeah, it was like two quid a day and so forth. What was it? Like a hundred quid would be like one hundred forty dollars, approximately. Another term for it is one pound sterling. So just different systems of money. <laughs> well, I, I, I was I, like, how much are they talking? Like, well, I assumed it had to have been a pretty good amount for them to be all excited. I was like, yeah, we'll do this. I was like, well, that must have been a pretty good yeah, well, chunk he, of money. He threw out two hundred quid. The whole band was like, oh, yeah, yeah. let's do this. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, but not the, even three hundred bucks was split between four people. But, but when but, they're starting out, yeah. That well, was, that and that, and back in the seventies, that yeah. was still a good chunk of money back yeah. then. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Here's a fact. So you see a part where um, he heads out a concert and goes straight into rehab dressed as a horned demon. Yes. Like right at the beginning of the movie, and then it kind of keeps jumping back to that. And that part was kind of true. He was so hopped up on cocaine when he went and rehabbed, he believed he was going to a Fantasia party and had on a full wow. night on night on Bald Mountain regalia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, his outfits, Dave, you comment, you're like, yeah. his, they're so over the top that you're like, yeah, that's pretty pretty rock and roll. I like, yeah, yeah. I like that. His, I mean, they showed him in a lot of different ones. There's like a montage of him in just, just these, every single one was crazy, crazy outfits. So here's a question I pose to you guys. As as we've seen how much how talented he is over the years, if he didn't have as rough a childhood, mm-hmm. if yeah. his and do you think he would have been as successful? I See, mean, talent talent he has talent regardless. So right, I mean, right. He there, can play the piano. Bar yeah. on that. Well, let me. So here's this is what I'm gonna rob this from uh, Almost Famous. You guys seen the movie Almost Famous? No. It's a Jim Crow film Maybe. or James Crow film. Um, so anyway, the kid asked the guy at the end, he's like, Hey, and he's interviewing a rock roller. He's like, do you have to be sad to write a sad song? And, uh, and I always thought about that as like, man, that's, that would be a fantastic question to ask some of these guys that do you have to live in that situation to be able to write or compose or, uh, come up with these songs and or thoughts, stories, readers, writers, you know, however it might be. Do you have to be in that mindset in order to do it? Now, I know actors, you know, you look at actors and they'll they'll get there and get in the frame of mind and really, you know, be the character in order to live it so they can then portray it. Is it the same? And that, that's a great question, Joe. Yeah, because watching it, just seeing how horrible of a childhood he yeah, had. Yeah. When, how he, mentally distressing to fight your sexuality and, and have people just tell you you're rubbish and, you know. Well, just his dad just oh yeah, his dad, him unloving every yeah. opportunity. You know, the the record where his dad oh this is for a friend of mine, this isn't for me. Yeah. But well, what first got me was when he shows up and you see these other kids out. So not only has his dad left him, but his dad has moved on, started a whole entire new family, and treated those kids. Yeah, the polar opposite way he treated him. Like yeah, let him sit on his lap and say, "Hey, little buddy," and yeah, exactly. So. But his dad was, uh, like, Air Force. Uh, yeah, an Air Force guy. Uh, so that made me wonder, you know, if the timing lines up that maybe he served in World War II or that maybe had, well, had a bit of a... He went on at the end of the movie, PTSD though. or anything like that. He went on at the end of the movie to hug his younger kids. Yeah. You know, he even picked one up at the end and kind of walked him back in the house because he didn't have shoes on. And all Elton wanted was a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of... that spelled out in my mind and elton john was on the set like he came yeah. in and well, he's a producer on this one i guess yeah and monitored a lot of it so yeah. i gotta think that part well, of it was then, him yeah, he's, he's able to shape the story a little bit yeah i mean if he if he felt his dad was yeah uh kind of uh, the, the person in the movie that should be looked at as the the bad guy the yeah. the, he's had that he has that well, choice to, so here's to the crazy part uh, let's go back to your question Joe so Elton did the music but Bernie what kind of childhood which they never even mentioned did Bernie have to come up with the songs right. ooh that's a good point 
because he doesn't say anything about his background. He doesn't say anything about his upbringing. He's just a guy that shows up that mailed lyrics yeah, to the. He seems pretty well adjusted to the record label. Yeah. Seem like he's, uh, Troubled, but Elton, in order to perform and do the music, was really messed up. Yeah, uh, Bernie's kind of the the sidekick to like try to try to keep Elton, try to keep Elton against himself. Elton's his own worst enemy. Yeah, and yet, you know, Elton goes, "Oh, you've left me, and you've abandoned me. No, you've pushed me away. You know, I've yeah. done everything I can do." So I think, I think Bernie has probably had a little better upbringing. Yeah, I would have to guess so, but man, he wrote a lot of songs. So, they keep this. This is a little tidbit. Um, they went into the office, you know, and did "Candle in the Winds." I guess that's why they call it the blues, and told those were bad. They said John and uh, Tupin, which is his last name, came up with all the hundred of songs they'd ever write together in one weekend back in 1968. They wrote out all these different ideas for songs in 1968, and they said they've been carefully parceling them out since. And at the current rate, they're expected to finally exhaust the backlog around 2032. Wow. Can you imagine how many ideas for songs you'd have to have See, that you that's... could do it from 1968 to 1932? Yeah, that's almost like, you know, the conspiracy. Uh, that's 64 rap... years worth. Yeah, that's almost like the conspiracy in the rap industry of Tupac. You know, Tupac died, and then he was still making music after mm-hmm. he did. At this rate, yeah, yeah. with the backlog, Elton could, you know, you know, I mean, that's only, what is 21 now, so 11 years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, if, if so something we'll, happens we'll see. <laughs> tomorrow, technically he could still be releasing new content for years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a funny scene, Dave. He's in that office with these, uh, basically a record label guy who tells him, because he starts to try to play some of his more heartfelt, ballady type stuff. And like you said, Candle in the Wind, was that? Yeah. play it, and then... He basically tells him, that's rubbish stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, why are you playing this stuff? It's like, uh, just give me something, you know, that I think he says, like, old silver-haired ladies can bob their head to. Or <laughs> you know, come back with an album full of feel-good, just, like, poppy-type stuff. Don't give me this uh, more heartfelt stuff. And uh, Candle of the Wind is the best-selling single of all time, supposedly. Yeah, because he played that at Princess Diana's mm-hmm. funeral. I remember that was huge back in the day. Yeah, and I remember them uh, making a uh, CD and cassette singles of it, and it just went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I guess the way he sang it at the funeral and the way he sang it for the album were two different versions. Mm-hmm. Same song, just two different types, because he said he made it special for Diana and would never perform it or sing it that way again. So I don't know what the difference is between the album version that they released for the single after her death and what he did at her funeral but they but he's been known to say that there was there's been two different versions for that and he would never he would do he did that one version just for her for her funeral and never would do that do it that way again nice it's a nice touch classy i like it kind of crazy so i really liked his outfits though because whether he how he came up with them and why he wore them or whatever a showman by golly. Yes. If you're going to go out on stage and do your deal like uh, he did, heck yeah, be a showman. And and he does And it, I liked it. Well, and, and even just the little minor nuances, just something simple as eyeglasses. He doesn't wear just normal eyeglasses. They have to be over the top. Yeah. Uh, throughout the movie, there's probably a hundred different crazy different uh, eyeglasses and sunglasses he's wearing. Yeah. 
So, uh, so uh, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, at the end of the movie, you know, they, they talked about he's sober for twenty some years, but then it kind of throws in. But he still has a bit of a shopping problem, and shows him <laughs> like. And I looked up some of that stuff. I mean, it said like his expenses would be like hundred thousand dollars a month on like flowers. Oh wow. Or like I, a year, I think is a hundred. You spend a hundred thousand on flowers in a year. Just <laughs> I would hate to be his accountant. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. He probably but written as many hits as he has and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but still, just watching all the, all these expenditures come in every month and trying to like, how much did you pay for a pair of shoes? Yeah. Oh my gosh. yeah. Well, he's got like he raised four hundred fifty million for a charity. And you know, AIDS HIV stuff, AIDS. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so he's he's Crazy. putting it back in. So hey. If that's his worst deal now, shopping, he's he's dumping a ton of money into the economy. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> I really liked his Dodger Stadium deal because he did actually wear in nineteen seventy five, he wore a Dodgers, you know, Fox uniform, like fake uniform, into Dodger Stadium. Yeah, yeah, and did that and that that's pretty daggone awesome. In two thousand, Elton John admitted to spending thirty million in just under two years, an average of one point five million a month. <laughs> wow. I, I can't even how my, how what would you exactly. how could you buy that much stuff? That's crazy. I mean, I guess that would be something I'd like to try. Yeah, but. that's like the old Brewster's Millions deal, you know. In two thousand one, he sold twenty of his cars, saying he never had the time to drive them all because he was always at, he was out of the country <laughs> yeah, yeah. so often. Craziness. Now see, now there's in this case there's an actual investment because. You know, most automobiles lose their value over time, but buying a car that was owned by Elton John, you're basically paying, you're going to pay the exact retail, if not more, because Elton John paid it or, or owned it. So actually, that's a pretty good investment on his part, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, probably got all his money back on this. Because if you're going to be the next owner and you're going to sell it, hey, this is the car that Elton John owned. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. So back to his suicide deal. So his friends and families, I don't know it was a big party especially, but um, John came out and said, I've taken 85 Valiums and I shall die within the hour. And he jumped in the pool and struggled to come to the surface. So they did call a medical team. They did pump his stomach. Two days later, he was at Dodger Stadium and Cary Grant was there and it was one of the best days of his professional life and he pulled it off. That's crazy. I mean, that's craziness. Oh yeah. So yeah, good movie, Justin. Good pick. I so, like it. So here's you're allowed to keep on going then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's what I found interesting. They said one of the biggest challenges that Elton John faced in trying to get this project moving forward is the many of the producers that he tried to get in to go in with him on this one. They told him they said, Elton, you need to make this a PG-13 film to make it a hit. Yeah. And he came back and told him said, look. I did not live a PG-13 life. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you can't make this a PG-13 film. Oh, they're right. cussing left and right in some some parts of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the sexual nature and the yeah. drugs and alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those, I can I can see where the producers are going with this because I watched, and there was just a few parts in it, and I was like, eh, you know, it, uh, it kind of made me a little, little uneasy. Yeah. But oh, yeah. but after I read this, I was like, well, okay, I, I can see where he's coming from. It's like, okay, yeah, if, He's saying, you know, I did all this, so I'm not going to basically cover it up or try to 
you know, gloss over it, say, hey, yeah, it happened to move on. It's like, no, we're going to get in, get in the nitty gritty, the down and dirty. Here's, here's, yeah, I wonder here's how long is he trying to make it? Because I could see 10 years ago, maybe, yeah, uh, the public had a little bit different take on things, but it seems like nowadays people are just like, I'll oh, just show me it all. I don't care. They're just, uh, yeah, yeah, people, people, more more people love to see just R rated over the years. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, people want to get down the to the deep underbelly, the dirt, and the grime, and everything, instead of just saying, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, this happened and that happened," and and move on. They're going to know what exactly happened. We need details. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the the whole musical things thrown in definitely made it a unique uh, kind of rock star biopic story, but also in some ways it had a little bit of a a formula. It felt kind of familiar in terms of. Uh, Oh, they they hit a they hit a low and then they get better. I mean, I've seen a lot of other uh, movies that kind of follow the same theme. They start at the childhood and kind of move through to when they get to be a star and then something terrible happens and then they we're talking about could these stars do what they do without being kind of messed up? But then it kind of skews uh, when you're watching movies. Nobody wants to watch a movie about a person who's totally. Lives a normal life. People <laughs> like the the ups and downs and the whole story arc that way. Right. So yeah, it's especially that. nice when it comes out on a positive note. The rock stars that are out there that it, uh, don't get into any of that stuff, they're not making a whole lot of movies about them. I'm sure they're out there, but... Right. Usually there's an element of drug addiction involved or like something to, to spice the whole story up. Yeah, I I liked at the how the end, how it just kind of all came together. Like he was able in, in that uh, room... In that uh, therapy session, that he was actually able to basically face all his demons mm-hmm. and say, you know, because of you, I'm here, and yep. and you're not going to have control over me anymore. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He faced down his demons. He made peace with himself, and he walked out. And 25 years later, he's still sober and still doing good. And finally realized that the one, I guess it'd be 26 now, the one true person that he had fighting his corner Barney yeah was actually yeah was actually he he actually had one one person had his back the entire time yeah so good feel good story you know ups and downs interesting a little bit not not you know not a documentary still a movie right half a part of musical so yeah a couple of the songs a little over the top for me but you know Mm -hmm. but it can't be perfect all the way through. Yeah. Hmm. Much better, a much better musical than when I, than when I first yeah. thought. When as soon as I first played, <laughs> seen, yeah, yeah. seen, when I seen the title musical category, and then when I seen them play, start singing, singing a minute in, I, I thought this is going to be a long ride. I thought, here we go. This is Howard the Duck too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh gosh, don't don't even start with that. People Howard like you and me, Joe, are not going to sit through a musical. Normally, they kind of. I snuck it in, got some medicine, snuck it in with, uh, with our treat or whatever, yeah. kind of disguise it. And we're like, you know what, I can deal with this because you throw in enough of uh, realistic stuff too. But Yeah, and, and I I like biopics. I mean, of course, it depends on who the biopic's about. So mm-hmm. biopics are one of the things I kind of go to if I find a good one. So when you said that, I was like, okay, he's a good singer. This is going to be good. And then when I seen musical, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's going to be play. And then as soon as I push play it, I was like, oh, boy, Justin's going, 
Just, I don't know if Justin knew what he picked. Now, although it kind of makes sense now. Last week when you said, "I don't know if it's going to be good or not," yeah. <laughs> but Justin, I ha- hats off to you, buddy. Uh, yes, good pick. Yes. You redeemed yourself. Yeah. All right. That whole other fiasco. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that we won't talk about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Much better than uh, Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. He's been on stage with a lot of different people: Axl Rose, Billy Joel. Dolly Parton. Eminem. Eminem, yeah. That was the whole thing back in the day. That yeah. In, people thought Eminem was homophobic, and then him and Elton got together. Yeah. And to stay relevant, because, I mean, oh, gosh. don't get me wrong, the Beatles, you know, I'll sit, I'll sit down and listen to Beatles all day if I, if I want, you know, if I, the mood strikes me. But, yeah. But, you know, the Beatles is classified as you know oldies music mm-hmm. here he, here it is 2021 and elton john's just as relevant today as he was oh yeah in, in his oh yeah if not more so yeah broader audience i'd say yeah, because here we are looking at the beatles with yeah. nostalgia and elton john he's still relevant st- yeah kind of crazy yeah okay hmm interesting stuff so i learned a thing or two that's that's kind of what i was going in or, um, maybe I'll learn a little bit about this artist I really don't know much about. And yeah. And it's kind of crazy, yeah, because you learn a lot about him. You get his history. You get his childhood. Mm-hmm. Kind of talks about how he got to where he is. Yep. I, I don't know. Kinda. Yeah, for me, uh, you know. So many good songs. It's amazing. If we want to go ahead and get to ratings, I can go and Ooh. throw mine out. Uh, Are you ready? Uh, okay. I don't, you know what? I, like I said, there, there's some parts of it that kind of felt familiar that is kind of a just a familiar story arc you kind of know where this is going to go in general terms of a biopic where he gets famous and then has some struggles but then gets better at the end which is fine a little bit of formula there but just the totally sometimes off the wall kind of creative song and dance artsy type component to it that i didn't see coming and initially had me uh, looking a little sideways at it, like, do I want to watch this? But then they kept it going, and by the end, I'm like, I'm ready for the next song and dance. I don't, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's not going to bother me. I'm going to, I'm okay with it. Started to absorb it. Yeah, I kind of just said, you know what? If that's, if that's what this is, it's kind of half musical, half uh, biopic. I'm all right with it. Let's go. And I thought it moved along pretty, pretty well. Good acting. The main guy did a great job, I thought. So I'm going to have to go. Gonna have to go large on this one. Nice. Now, now you said you watched this with your dad. Yep. And he's older. Uh, large popcorn for Justin. Nice, large popcorn. Yeah. So, what would you think your dad would rate it as? Because I mean, obviously, he he was younger when Elton John was in the beginning of his career. So, you're yeah. how old your dad roughly? Yeah, uh, he's seventy. Okay, so he's seventy, and I'm forty-seven. So he's thirty years older than me. And I remember some Elton John, mainly from the 80s. Born in 50, it says Elton John was born in 47. Yeah, so I just mean your dad kind of grew up with Elton John from the beginning of his career. Because I, I kind of, oh, yeah. I'm cherry picking from when he was 80s, 90s. You yeah, know. that one I mentioned, that was his third album. Yeah, more mainstream. And your dad was yeah. familiar with his early music. How did your dad react to the film? Uh, he liked it. I always ask him, hey, what, uh, what do you rate that one? Let's see. I can't get him to use the popcorn. <laughs> so he usually does one through five. I think he said... A 3.5. Okay, so he, you know, and, and I guess, I mean, he would be more relevant, like, with the true Elton John sense. So, like, earlier parts of the movie, he kind of, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Nice, like okay. The, you know, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once it gets up to, like, you know, Tiny Dancer, yeah. like Candle in the Wind. He's, See, know, that's where I'm, I'm more familiar with Candle in the Wind, Tiny Dancer, Piano Man. Yeah. 
Those are in my house. Like, yeah, I like those too, but the ones that yeah at the time early when I was works because he lived through it. You know, yeah. he got to see a lot or you know happen. Cool. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Joe. You want to go or you want me to go? Go ahead. I'm I'm going large as well, and I'd say close to mop buckets. So I'd say like large with some overflow. Ah, okay. Just because I like the extravagant outfits, I like how it portrayed, you know, the storyline. I like how it all flowed together. I like how it jumped it back and forth, uh, keeping kept kept me entertained with the back and forth because I was always like, all right, what are we going back to to learn about him now, and how are we going to learn it? And uh, the music, the music's just outstanding. I mean, my goodness, as somebody that looks at music as from an outsider perspective of not knowing anything about music or being musical at all. I'm just amazed, you know, that they wrote songs like that and, and, you know, and he would just sit down and put the piano to it and go to town. It's just, it's incredible to me. So yeah, four and a half. All right. So I, I have really teetered on this one. Guys. This one has been really hard for Kept me. Kept them up to, all night. Last yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did our picks sway yours at all? Or are you holding fast to what you came in here with? Well, actually based off of what Justin's pick was, I, I've started a new uh, formula on what, to pick on, oh. based on what you guys watch because okay. I'll go back through and go if you've seen this you'll like this you may right, like right, this yeah, so yeah. that's how I've been choosing uh, well gotcha. not not the last one but that's neither here nor there uh, I've this one's been this one has been my hardest one to gauge to Take to it's... put a definite popcorn rating on let's get a peek behind the curtain on this I'm, I'm interested so in the process so, at the very beginning, since I push play, it starts musical. I'm going small popcorn. We're flirting with burn here, yep. <laughs> and then it then it actually takes the movie takes off. So I'm right. It's been a roller coaster ride. Right? So I was a large, then medium, and then large. So I was going with overflowing medium, mm-hmm. but I think it's I'm just going to slightly skew it into large. Oh and I, yeah. And, and here's why. Like I said, a couple of the songs. Uh, took you out of it. Took me out of it. Mm-hmm. Going like I really don't understand why you're doing a musical scene here. Right. I mean, a lot of them was perfectly. You know, when he was in the troubadour and did start singing Saturday Night and goes outside. I mean, that was perfect. It's like that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a couple of them that I'm going, okay, how's this? I, I can't find an association with. It. So I had a little trouble with that. Yeah. And then, like I said, there was a couple scenes that I was going eh, had me kind of squirmed. So I was like, yep. okay. <laughs> But uh, other than that, it uh, medium overflowing medium, right in into large. So nice. Okay, well, you know that is a positive movie. Yes, for all of us. So that was a good thing. So again, kudos to Justin. Redeemed himself, at least for now. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm still gonna keep uh, shooting blind though, and uh, (laughs) I get a burnt one sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Let's give it a try. See All right, happens. Justin, I'm, I'm calling you out again on this now. Are you just posing this as you're going to shoot blind? or like, <laughs> Okay, yeah, I know this is bad. Well, Let's I mean, see. No, <laughs> At least I was honest and said, guys, this, <laughs> this might not be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Rotten Tomatoes says this is terrible, I probably won't try it won't out. Won't try it out again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, Dave, last show, you, you teased a little bit about uh, yeah. your next pick. Yeah, yeah, my next pick. Okay, so I'll give you guys a choice. Yeah, we're going to have it. More of a real, uh, I would say, again, docu-pick or um, more music movie. So I'll give you a choice. More that has, is about music and the music industry. But not a musical, though, right? Not a musical. Okay, okay. Not, a, not a musical at all. <laughs> but it does we have, do it has, it has music that. in it where you see, like, a band playing songs. 
Right. Okay. Uh, but not a musical. Right. And then, so you got kind of like a a, a movie about music and kind of intricacies, but it's still just a made-up movie. But really good actors in it. Okay. And these are Mark Garofalo films. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or one that's kind of like a docu-pick. Well, let me ask you this. Are either of them feel-good stories kind of like uh, Rocket Man? <sighs> Yeah, the the one about music is kind of a feel good story. It, it leaves you kind of smiling, you know. Kind of, it has the same formula, you know. Everything's looking up, and then it has a down downward spiral, and then it finishes on a high note. Okay. Now the other one is more gloomy and dark because it's a docu pick. It does kind of depict Ooh, a real scenario of things depicts, that actually happened, but not. This isn't like documenting it. It's just right, kind of like right, a fabricated right. story of something that actually happened. The right. thing it's depicting has nothing to do with music, though. You're saying correct. Okay. So one's about music, Neil is not. Could flip a coin, or we could pick. Joe, I don't know. I don't know. What, I mean, what, what's I, your all's instincts my, here? My gut is to say, let's steer away from music a little bit. We did music this time, and try to. Okay, Joe. Yeah, or I, keep I, the theme going. Yeah, so, I, two different I, options. I, I was with Justin. You know, kind of steer away from music, but then you said feel good. So I was like, well, now it is a well, feel good. Well, the, the pick I'm. It's thinking, funny. It's got some humor. The the pick I'm thinking of is kind of a feel good movie. So. Just for this round, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to go with with the. Uh, I'm right with that. The 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 feel good, but then you said this the the downer is kind of based on true events, kind it of is. deal. So that yeah, yeah. that kind of hooks me, and so I'm really and, they, and the the downer one. It's not a downer one. It's just a, it's more of a man. It's not scary, but you can just kind of feel the trepidation coming on. You're like, man, this is gonna spin sideways so bad, and it does. It's a drama. Oh man! But it's got uh, it's got Steve Carell, and it's got some good actors. Got Tatum Channing, got Mark Ruffalo, obviously. Oh man! It's a really good cast. Steve Carell does a bang up job. Are we locked into our pick, or can we change it? No, you can change whatever you want. So if we pick uh, the feel good, and you tell us what it is, then we could. You would, I'm, I'm assuming neither one of you will know either one of these. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's hear, them. let's hear them. I'm interested. Okay. Right. Okay. So are you picking or you want to you uh, know I'll, more? I want to know. I'll take. I'll follow Joe's lead on this. Just, I, I want to hear what are. I want to actually hear the, the title the of options. the movie. Okay. So the docu pick is Foxcatcher and it's about Olympic wrestling. Okay. I've heard of it seen yeah. it around and have not seen it so. okay and then the other one is begin again and it has kira knightley and uh who's the guy uh shoot the kind of like a boy band but not you said it's feel again begin again begin again hold so on let me, let me pull it up. fox catcher 2014 adam levine it has adam levine in it okay so hold on, you know they'll look it up. Hold on, time out. You just got to go by what I'm telling you. Okay. So Fox Catcher's about Olympic wrestling and kind of a true story. It involves the because I've seen the documentary on powerhouse that. families. Oh, you have seen that documentary. The documentary, but not the fictionalized version. Really? Yeah. Okay, that might change things then. So you could watch something. Have you seen Begin Again or know anything about it? Never even heard of it. Okay, it's just a feel-good movie about music. Or it has music in it. That's the movie. But you know. I'm going as big of a Steve Carell fan as I am. Yeah, I'm going to cast my vote for Begin Again. Let's do it. All right, Begin Again. It is another uh, movie about music. So, but, so this but not round, about this round's kind of the feel good round. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it, it did get an 83 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What did uh, the other one get? I don't know. <laughs> it does not matter. 
Hold on, let me go back. All right, so Foxcatchers was weird. Like, it wasn't something that I'd watch again. It got an 87, so it got a higher rating. I got to write this one down. Begin again? Yeah, begin again. Okay. Ooh, it's on Pluto, guys. All right. Nice. Yeah. But Foxcatcher is a good movie, and it's really weird. It's one of those that you're just like, man, you got to feel sorry for the guy. And I want to say it's about the Rockefellers. And it's it's uh, Mark and Dave Schultz, and uh, their brothers in Olympic gold medalists in wrestling, and it's Do- Dupont. John Carroll plays John Dupont, a heir to the family's chemical company fortune, which Dupont's kind of related to West Virginia, Pennsylvania, yeah. um, and he's he's cuckoo. He's a nut job. Yeah, kind of kind of a throw to uh, yeah. dark water. Yeah, but uh, you know, Schultz brothers they get involved with him. He wants to have his. He calls it Foxcatcher because of the property he lives on. Hosts a Olympic training farm for wrestling. And then uh, kind of gets too micromanaging of uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know crap about wrestling, but he wants to have something with his name on to impress his mother because he's a knucklehead son that doesn't do anything. <laughs> so it, it all turns bad, obviously. But uh, anyway, all right, so begin again. Feel yep. good story. Okay, so next week, tune back in. Begin again it is. Yeah, and check out beentherewatchthat.com for uh, yes, we'll the rest go of back it. and look at how we rated other yeah other uh, movies, TV. Uh, I'm excited. I like I like the music in Begin Again. Adam yeah. Levine, I, I, he what was the band he's in? Maroon Five. Maroon Five, which I don't like that music, but man, he can sing. Yes. When I got done with this movie, I was like, who in the world is that singing? Because fantastic voice. Yeah. And. Uh, and then I was like Maroon Five, and I was like, "Really? Okay." <laughs> but yeah. Hey, yeah, but he can sing. Both of these I've never, never seen, so this will be a new one for me. Yeah. So I'll give you a, a. I'll see if you can catch the tidbit. See if you can figure out what you think my favorite song would be in this deal Ooh. when it comes out. There's a scene. Okay. They have some music playing, of course, and the band playing a song. See if you can figure it out. Okay. Or I'll tell you what, just figure out what your favorite song out of this whole deal is. Okay. And the situation they're in. Okay. And how it happens. Okay. Awesome. All right. Joe, taking us home. Joe, take us home. All right. So for more news, reviews, and everything been there, watch that. Visit our website, beentherewatchthat.com. And if you have any reviews or movies that you would like to pick, and actually, guys, we did get uh, a list submitted by uh, Bobby Nicholas, a friend of mine. Yeah. He saw a post that I made last week. You know, the Bernie Sanders meme has been going around. Oh, yeah, the Bernie meme. So, Do we have a picture of us with the Bernie meme? Uh, yeah, Bernie. I took a picture the, the online of the Roby and put Bernie in the Roby. <laughs> nice. So that actually, Bobby picked up on that. And so I got to talk to him. So he actually sent me a list of about five or six movies he would like for us to watch. Really? Review. Yeah. Run down them real quick. Do you have yeah, a list? Yeah. yeah. Um, let me pull it up here real quick. Oh, my nephew changed my pick. Uh, <laughs> and, these, and these are uh, older Older movies. Yeah. He so here's what he sent: Tremors, The Thing, mm. The Color Out of Space, Society, Street Trash, Clue, High Plains Drifter, In the Heart of the Sea, Final Girls, and 1917. Wow, well, Tremors and High Plains Drifter would be good. Tremors not so much. High Plains Drifter is an interesting one. I've only heard of like three of those. That's a uh, yeah. That's interesting. To me, yeah, but. that was like me. I've, I've I read that. I was like, they're, they're. Tremors has like Kevin Bacon in it, I think. I think so. So there it's got the first one had some good actors, and then it went to crap after that. Well, there was like five or six of them. Yeah, there. that's after the first one. But anyway, High Plains Drifters. Have you guys seen that with Clint Eastwood? No. Really? 
man, it's a good one. It's got a really good story. It's got, you know, it's not the usual Western one, but it is a Western, but it's about mining and kind of, you know, running people out of their gold mine claims and stuff and how the big power hungry guy, you know, does factory farming essentially, runs out the little guys. And this cat rolls in, he's a preacher, and just starts cleaning up. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, of well, course. It's a, it's, it's a Clint Eastwood thing, it so is, it has yeah. to be good. Yeah, Clint Eastwood does his normal deal. Although... Our records show that just because it has a good actors doesn't mean it's a good movie. This is so. true. This one is good. I, I vouch for High Plains Drifter. Okay. It's one of those that you're just like, man, that's Cause, a Because so far story. we've had a few movies come through the line of <laughs> well-known uh, actors list, and we're going, oh, yeah. Yeah, really? What was Leah Thompson thinking? I'm still going <laughs> to go back. And to Tim Mel Robbins. Gibson. I'm going back to Mel Gibson, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was young back then. I can understand <laughs> it. All right, cool. Well, that's a good show. All right, I like it. Good movie. Good job, Justin. And, uh, yeah, it's a very good pick. I mean, great ratings all the way around. Let's see if I can follow it up with Begin Again. Mark Ruffalo, Kira Knightley, uh, Adam Levine. There you go. Yeah, cool. All right. All right, and well, until next week, gentlemen, let's uh, wrap this baby up. Joe, anything else to say? That should cover it, so be sure to check okay. out all our news reviews on beentherewatchthat.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Been There, Watch That. We're on all the major podcast formats hosted by anchor.fm and be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and youtube at btwt pod for all that hey and this is the best podcast you just listened to that's right yeah you might listen to a better <laughs> one afterwards but right now this is the best podcast you just listened with to. the best movie reviewers around that's right yeah okay all right well gentlemen great job justin joe we'll see uh if i can follow up on such a good pick with Begin Again. So if you're out there listening, go watch Begin Again and then see if you follow along with us. Fingers crossed. Yeah, next week. All right, until next week, gentlemen. Have a good week, everybody.